Hi, this is Joe Rubenstein, and you're listening to the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. Greetings, Cap fans, and welcome to episode 58 of the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. I'm your host, Rick Verbanis, and as always, I am joined by the best gosh darn co-host out there, that is Mr. Bob Lucius. Bob. Bonjour, mon ami. <laughs> oh, bravo. Just bravo. Bravo, Rick. Uh, so well done. Oh. And is bravo the correct uh, no, I, I, to that? Who the hell knows? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I guess, I, who, I don't know. Italian, bravo French? French? I don't know. Oh. Uh, they're all Romance languages. That's true. Yeah. yeah. It all goes back to Latin. Yeah. So, yeah. Well done. Uh, well, thank you. Um, and, you know, I, I figured uh, I'm going to be doing a lot of French in this episode um, mm-hmm. as um, I am going to be doing uh, Batroc de Lipe. Oh, yes. And so I had to, I never took French, Bob. I never took French. Did you? Did you take French? Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I grew up in the Northeast, and uh, we have a, we have a lot of you know very big French Canadian population uh, mm-hmm. up in the Northeast, Little Massachusetts, that area, and and so it was required in schools when I was elementary, secondary school. So yeah, I had a lot of a lot of French. Don't remember any. I can order a ham and cheese sandwich, maybe. Nice. Uh, if there's not too much pressure on me, but uh-huh. that that's about it. Yeah. Uh, was is it a ham and Monster? I don't know. What's what's the no. French type of cheese? Oh, brie. Fr- brie? Or is it a ham and brie? Brie? Uh, no, I I I, I, I can't. Not, <laughs> no, it's a yeah. Back there, you don't even say ham and cheese, right? It's a it's a what is it? The uh, je voudrais un croc, monsieur. <laughs> I would like a that means a croc. A croc is like a ham and cheese sandwich. So it's not you're not even you're not even saying ham and cheese. You're just saying uh, the name of the type of sandwich that you want. Yeah. Ah. Okay. Ah. Um, uh, nice. All right. Yeah. Well, I uh, you're going to have to uh, keep me honest here with my my French pronunciations. Uh, I, I you know I tried to do my best with a little bit of um, research. That going on to on on the websites and uh, we're you know typing in this and how do you pronounce this and they're like no, <laughs> no <laughs> so I was I'm, like oh okay thanks it's a lot of pressure Rick I, I understand you got a lot of pressure on you because I know there's a mm-hmm. lot of international men of mystery in our audience and mm-hmm. so you know they're not they're not hesitant you know shy about calling you out on on these things well you know it's fine um because i am looking right now at our geographic um geographic location as far as uh the people who listen to us did you know bob a hundred percent of our listeners planet earth wow wow yeah now if i was to break it down a little bit more yeah 70 78% 78% in the United States. So that means 22% of our listeners, Bob, are outside of the U.S. I'm not a math major, but I just did yeah, that real quick. I know. I noticed how you did that off the top of your head. That was, I was like, what? Ah, I know. I right? have somebody to do my taxes now. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so uh, now I'm on here. Now, now, we do have our next highest 
from the United States coming in at 6% is Canada. So I'm sure there's a few people uh, from Canada that might be listening in and saying, uh, you know, all right, Rick, uh, not bad, or you could do better. Or, wow, you really mm-hmm. murdered that. Yeah. Uh, but as I look down into uh, how many of our listeners are actually from France, um, we have some listeners from France, but it's less than 1%. So I don't know. That, that could mean we have one listener right. from France. It could mean we have five. I don't know. Huh. But, uh, but we do have plenty from Canada. Well, what do you know? Uh, Captain Canuck, you know, is a Canadian export, I believe. It's true. Yeah. yeah. I remember picking that one up off the rack back in the day. I was a big Captain America fan. And then one day I, I go and I see Captain Canuck sitting there. Well, you know, speaking of Canada, <clears throat> um, this kind of comes back to what we're covering today. Because um, this is going to be Captain America 251 and 252. And you may ask, what does this, that have to do with Canada? Well, it doesn't. But, you know, the, the artist on this series, uh, Mr. John Byrne. And one thing about John Byrne, you know, he, he created the superhero group Alpha Flight. That's right. Which is the yeah. uh, Canadian uh, superhero group. And so um, on right now, which is, you know, these two issues of Captain America recovering come, uh, have a cover date of November and December of 1980. Guess what was happening else during that same time that John Byrne was working on? What, pray tell? Uncanny X-Men. And so the Uncanny X-Men with cover dates of November, December, same time as these books were coming out, were uh, Uncanny X-Men 139 and 140, which happened to co-star Alpha Flight. How's done. that for a coinky dink? That's that's pretty amazing. So he's a busy, he was a busy guy. He really was yeah. because earlier in 1980, he actually was uh, doing art for Fantastic Four. Um, yeah, he's a super busy guy. Um, and that issue of Uncanny X and 139, you, I think most most Marvel fans from of a certain age would remember. It's the cover that has Kitty Pryde on it and it says "Welcome to the X Men, Kitty Pryde." Mm-hmm. hope you survive the experience yeah. uh, which that issue was the first appearance of heather hudson um who is uh mac hudson's wife who who was vindicator um the leader of alpha flight and then she became the leader of alpha flight uh so um anyway that i just thought that was interesting right so we had these is, canadian yeah. superheroes um going on at the same time you know it's funny uh at at around this time, you know, I was uh, you know, hanging out with my my good friends, and I remember they were like super into X Men, mm-hmm. and I wasn't the least bit interested in X Men because I was and remain just a, a Cap guy. Yeah, and and I'm like, what? Why don't you like Cap? What's wrong with you? And they're you know they're like, but X Men, and I'm like, but Cap, uh, and I felt so lonely. Oh, but here we are. Yeah. yeah, you weren't alone. You weren't alone. Nothing. There was a lot of Cap fans back in the in the in the earlier days, in the seventies and eighties. You know, um, and even heck, heck, in the nineties, Cap wasn't cool. Yeah, Cap, right. Cap was yeah. not cool. And I remember one of my best friends who read comics at the time. He was into the X Men, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. He was in Wolverine. It was his favorite character. Yeah. And, and I was almost like, I, I didn't pick up any X-Men books. I didn't pick up, pick up any Spider-Man books. And it was almost like I was rebelling, you know, I was like, yeah. Oh, those, those yeah. are popular and everybody's falling into that. I'm going for these characters, you know, which was Captain mm-hmm. America and Daredevil and that type of thing. And eventually yeah. I started picking up X-Men and yeah. wish I had done it earlier during you know, Claremont and Burns heyday, but eventually I got those and I read them. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe someday I will. Yeah. Well, uh, Bob, remember uh, our contest? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So um, I'm looking at my coin right here, which is, I don't know if you can hear this. Wow. That's a solid coin right there, my friend. Uh, This is the, what would cap do coin? Uh, that that Bob and I created, um, just special for um, our our supporters of the Captain America comic book fans Facebook group and podcast series, and so we wanted to um, you know reward the uh, our our patrons and our supporters, and so this is a really cool coin. One side you got the Captain America shield, the other side it says what would Cap do, and then you have um, four adjectives on an outer rim on either side that talk about the attributes that we all strive for. We all look up to in our favorite character. And it's something that we can carry around and look at and um, hold on to or display, or if we really are so inclined, pass along. And so, um, you know, if you are a patron and you are at a shield slinger level or higher, um, we, uh, and, and you've been um, there for over three months, we will, uh, automatically just give you this coin um, as our way of saying thank you. But we felt, hey, let's open this up. White, right? I mean, um, and by the way, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this, Bob. These are limited to 100 coins. Uh-huh. We made that's it. 100 coins. Yeah. That's it. When they're yeah. gone, they're gone. Um, and so we said, all right, what else can we do here? So if you go to Apple Podcasts and you leave us a five-star review uh, with a you know comment, um, the, once we get the next 10 people to do this, we're just going to randomly pick three out of those 10 and give them this coin. So um, we got another uh, we got another response. Bob, you want to hear it? I do. All right. So this one comes from. Uh, the initials are, looks like KDF021 and gave us a five-star review. The title says, great fun show about cap, exclamation point. And KDF says, I am a long time, 40 years, reader of comics and an equally long time fan of Captain America. Rick and Bob are extremely knowledgeable about cap, but more importantly, they understand what Steve Rogers and the mantle of Captain America mean and stand for. They celebrate the character and the spirit of the character in every show. It's a pleasure to listen to. Wow. Well, thank you, KDF. We appreciate that. And you are entered into the contest. And if uh, you would like uh, to also be entered in the contest, you can just go to Apple podcasts on iTunes and give us a five-star review. And, um, you'll be entered and maybe we'll read it here on the show. That's great. I mean, I'd love to hear that Rick, because you know, I mean, there are, 
I would never claim in a million years to be uh, you know, a Captain America expert. But one thing I will claim to be is a guy who loves Captain America. Yeah, loves talking about Captain America, loves reading about Captain America, loves just joshing about Captain America. And that's what this, what this show is all about, man. It's just about having fun. I agree. Yep. And I couldn't ask for a better partner. So let's get to Captain America 251. Now, so on the cover here, it's a pretty striking cover. And, you know, got to love John Burns art, right? I mean, he is a master. And in quite frankly, back in 1980, he was, uh, you know, in his heyday. Um, and so he and Roger Stern, who is the writer, uh, joined Captain America with issue 247. And um, that was uh, in 19, beginning of 1980, right? And they were on for a short run, right? It was less than a year, unfortunately. Um, we did cover the first story arc, which was three issues, 247 through 249. And uh, it was the Machine Smith was the villain. They had Dragon Man. Um, it was a really, really cool three-parter. Uh, we covered that very early in our podcast series, uh, which was episode seven. So if you haven't had a chance to, to listen to that, go back and listen to episode seven, and uh, you'll be able to, um, to catch the three issues that were leading up to this story. We're skipping issue 250, which is the issue, it's a standalone issue where Cap uh, is asked to run for president of the United States. Uh, we'll get to it. We'll get to it one of these days, but we wanted to, to, to really do these, this two-parter here. Um, so on the cover, uh, we have the Captain America logo um, is the, the red, white, and blue. And then the corner box icon is Cap with his shield running, and it's done by John Byrne. And so we have basically in the rest of the image, the two-thirds below that, we have Captain America um, over top and holding, and it looks like an unconscious Batroc de Lipe. and Behind him is coming out of the shadows, this um, humongous being. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, kind of reminds me a little bit of Solomon Grundy with yeah. these big white hands and the white hair. And, and then that's, that's the only thing you see. Everything else is dark in the shadows, but you do see his white eyes and you see his white teeth. And he has a, a, a grim uh, grin on his face, uh, very uh, menacing. And he's coming up behind an unsuspecting Captain America. And the title of the, it says The Mercenary and the Madman. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. 
be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. So we open up, and, uh, and by the way, I'm sorry, I, I forgot to mention, um, we already said it was by Roger Stern writer, John Byrne Pensler. The anchor during this this run is uh, one legendary anchor, Joseph Rubenstein. And um, he uh, he had some really interesting stories to talk about his time working with John Byrne. Um, if you want to hear that, and I really think you do, uh, go back and listen to episode number eight. And that is when we interview Joe Rubenstein uh, regarding uh, his time on Captain America. Uh, he was he was a, a bit of a hoot to talk to. Yes, he was. Uh, and he didn't hold back at all, uh, which is always refreshing. Yes, yes. He had some, let's just say, interesting comments and thoughts about right. John Byrne. Yes. Yeah. So he's the anchor. And then we have Jim Novak, the letterer, Bob Sharon, the colorist. Now, here I go again, Bob. Yep. We had a great conversation with Bob Sharon. Uh, I didn't know what a colorist really did. Yeah. You know, as I didn't know the details. Um, and Bob is a legendary colorist who basically from the late seventies to the nineties, if he, if you read a Marvel comic, chances are he was the colorist man was a legend. Um, we had a conversation with him back in episode five, if anybody wants to, to, to listen to that. Um, the editor is Jim Salakrup, and Jim Shooter is just listed here as the flag waver. Sunset, a time for solemn reflection. If your name is Captain America, those reflections cover countless miles and several decades. So we have Cap uh, during uh, dusk. Right. And he's standing on a rooftop. Um, he's got his his knee up on the ledge and his shield on his back. And he's thinking. Incredible. Sometimes I can hardly believe how New York has changed since I grew up here in the 1930s. So much of my life seems like some sort of amazing dream. But in my heart, I know that the greatest dream still lies ahead. And the caption says. The dream begins now. And it's a little arrow to turn the page. So Cap goes on, and and we're going to get a little flashback here, Bob. We're mm-hmm. going to get a flashback of um, of the origin uh, that Stern and Byrne feel like um, they want to get into here. So, ever since I, how would the beast put it, got my head together, which was in issue two forty seven, which we covered. My memories of growing up during the Great Depression have all come back to me so vividly. I was the original 98-pound weakling in those days, before I volunteered to be the guinea pig for Operation Rebirth and Dr. Erskine's serum transformed me into America's super soldier. I was proud to serve my country as Captain America. The preservation of freedom was an important duty during those dark days of World War II. Who could have guessed back then that a freak accident would throw me into suspended animation at war's end, that I'd spend several decades frozen in a block of ice lost to most of the world. And then the next panel, we see uh, Namor, the submariner, 
uh, and he's yelling at some Eskimos that are all circled around a, um, a frozen iced figure. I might still be up there in the Arctic, a frozen figure worshipped by Eskimos, if it hadn't been for one man. Hear me, humans. This is no helpless totem you see before you. This is the Submariner who has sworn vengeance upon the entire human race. It is the dreaded Namor, the legendary one. Run, you weak, helpless mortals. Flee in terror before the rightful wrath of Namor. Thus shall all of mankind one day shriek in panic at the coming of the Submariner. If a terrified Eskimo hadn't stumbled into a U.S. weather station a few days later and blurted out the story, I might never have found out who was responsible for my resurrection. Take your accursed idol with you. Go, spread the word. Let the word know that Namor is still a force to be reckoned with. And he does. He hurls it as far as he can into the ocean. Somehow it seemed almost fitting that Namor, who had been my ally during the war, should be the one to free me, knowingly or not. I guess it was just luck that I floated into the warm waters of the Gulf Stream, where my icy prison slowly melted away. As I and I drifted past an undersea craft manned by the Avengers. And we see Giant Man reaching out of the sub to grab him. I've got him. Who could he be? Why is he frozen solid? Look, Giant Man, beneath his tattered clothes, he wears some sort of colorful costume. Wait, don't you recognize it? It's the famous red, white, and blue garb of Captain America. The Wasp is right. Can this really be the famous shield of the once mighty crime fighter? Look at this, Thor. His face mask with the proud letter A on it. It must be him. If the Avengers were surprised to find me, they were even more surprised to discover that I was still alive. I owe them a lot. They let me join them, gave my life purpose. While I tried to adjust to the brave new world, I found myself in. So this one particular panel on the page is uh, John Byrne's little homage to Avengers number four cover. And then the next one, we see the Red Skull with a gun fighting cap. Of course, I wasn't the only one to have survived the passing of decades. My oldest foe, the Red Skull, had also fallen into a state of suspended animation. When he finally awoke, our private war resumed, eventually affecting the lives of the new allies I had made like Sam Wilson, the Falcon. Sam was a good friend and partner, but the day came when he had to go out on his own. And then there was Sharon Carter, certainly the loveliest S.H.I.E.L.D. agent I ever worked alongside with. We were close for such a short time in the big picture. Her death still hurts. She was the one true love in this second life of mine. I'll never forget her. All right, with next page, got to tell you, if I could have a John Byrne Captain America original art page, this would be up there. This is a good one. You get to see Cap in, uh, in almost every panel uh, doing a bunch of acrobats flying around. But I can't spend the rest of my life in mourning. Sharon wouldn't want that, and it certainly wouldn't do me any good. No, Captain America has to go on living, and so does Steve Rogers, the man under the mask. Which reminds me, I have a pile of work waiting for me at home. It just won't do for a fledgling freelance artist to get behind in his deadlines. 
And so he takes the shield off his back and he jumps off. Without a second thought, the living legend hurdles over the side of the building, plummeting earthward without the slightest look of concern on his face. Somewhere around the fifth floor, he makes contact with the protruding flagpole and, just as he planned, funk, kept springs skyward again, an adjacent rooftop now, within easy reach. The ad agency wants those storyboards handed in tomorrow morning. Looks like another sleepless night ahead for me. Homeward bound, Cap pays little need to the tug and barge which pass by on the river below. After all, he has a lot on his mind, and there's nothing at all out of ordinary about the barge and the tug. Or is there? So the next page, we get into what's going on inside the barge. Certainly, the tug's crew seem common enough, but their destination is something quite unusual. So the captain says, we're closing fast on Rikers Island. Pass the word. Gotcha. Rikers Island, an isolated rock in the middle of Long Island Sound and the home of a New York State penitentiary. Like the barge, the prison appears ordinary enough. However, some of its inmates are anything but ordinary. And as the tug draws nearer to the island, the activity of it on its deck becomes quite extraordinary and so they they take um this uh blanket off of this satellite looking dish kind of thing right yeah it's time i'm wrapped the sapper man this gizmo is something else what kind of mind comes up with stuff like this the kind of mind we're busting out of here the joe who designed this sucker is stuck on the inside so it's only fair that we use his gear to get him out and they turn it on. And it's almost like a, a spotlight, right? And it goes on onto Rikers Island. The dish-like projector erupts with a blinding white glare, which almost instantly dissolves into the infrared end of the light spectrum, bathing the island in an eerie beam, which saps the power away from every electrical device in its field. And then on the next page, we see that the barge is coming right up to the dock. And as the island goes dark, the side of the barge suddenly opens up, discharging a small band of commando raiders. Come on, we don't have much time. Fan out and watch for guards. With the speed rivaling that of a crack special forces unit, the commandos pour through the prison perimeter. The night vision lenses on their masks, glistening weirdly in the darkness. What little opposition they meet is instantly silenced by a hail of bullets. And they are. They're just firing away and killing the guards. Or a canister of sleep gas. Within seconds, they are halfway through the main building, heading towards the objective like an unstoppable juggernaut. Come on, it's just ahead. This guy won't give us any more trouble. The cell block is ours. Get the gear ready. They just shot another guard. They're going up to cell block eight. Cell Block 8, one of the most heavily fortified maximum security prison areas on the eastern seaboard. Here, the walls are three times the normal thickness, reinforced with slabs of aluminum steel. Here, each cell is especially designed to hold its occupant. And you see uh, people at their, at their doors trying to, like, with their grates, putting their hands through. What's going on? It's a break. Get me out of here. Me, take me. Shut up. We can only have time to spring one guy. 
and here he is. Sir, get on your bunk and cover your ears. Two seconds tick by as a special bazooka is set up, and then fire. The rocket shell does not even pierce the massive cell door, but it does its job, and they break through the door. Sir, are you all right? Another inmate would have been knocked cold by the concussion shock, but not this man. This is the super criminal known as Mr. Hyde. And what a look on his face, Bob, right? He has that creepy, eerie smile, and he's looking up at the the, the soldiers. Good, you came at last. The info the boss got was on the level. He must have given Hyde enough drugs to knock out an elephant. Figures he weighs about as much as one. No time to talk. There's only about a minute left before the sapper burns itself out. Minutes later, the power suddenly returns to Rikers Island. And amid the resultant pandemonium in the prison, no one notices the innocent-looking tug and barge, which slowly pulls away. And that was pandemonium, Bob. It was, Rick. Yeah. And then we have... uh, um, Mr. Hyde laying on a, like a, a leather-bound couch inside a, a suite, it looks like. But beneath the deceptive facade of the barge. Well, monsieur, I trust you are feeling better now, no? Yes. They kept me doped up for so long to prevent my escaping. It's a relief to stand on my own two feet again. This is quite an elaborate little floating headquarters you have here. But I would expect no less of Batroc the Leaper. Mais certainement, monsieur. And might I return the compliment? Your power sapper made engineering your escape child's play. A pity it had to burn out, as you warned us it would. Bah, it was just an experimental model. You found my hidden cache of equipment without any trouble then. Everything was in order? We found it all exactly as you left it, monsieur. The instructions you sent out via the prison grapevine, though uncode, were clearer than clear to the great Batroc. Ah, let me introduce my, how you say, compagnon, Mademoiselle Monique. Hello, monsieur. How would you describe Monique, Bob? Uh, ooh la la. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that is the correct phraseology. Uh, you don't disappoint. Thank you, Bob. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, she's a a striking woman. Uh, long black hair and a long black dress. But um, there seems to be a, a little slit on the dress. Bob. Yeah, there's a little bit of a wardrobe malfunction, uh, as they would say in modern parlance. But back then, I think it was just coming out of the 70s, baby. Mm-hmm. Yes, then a little slit right up the uh, side leg. Her English is not so good, I am afraid. Batrock, you impress me, and Hyde is impressed by few men. Your crew carried out my rescue with commendable dispatch. But of course, mon ami, after I learned through various sources you wished to escape, I had nearly a week to plan the breakout. Excusez-moi, monsieur Hyde, but you would be more comfortable wearing your own attire, no? And so she uh, gives him some clothes and he goes behind a um a little uh 
what do you call these things? The... This is a, yeah, the changing screen. Okay. Yeah. I actually bought one of those when I lived in Indonesia. I thought it would be cool to have. I don't know why. I guess I saw one and said, hey, that would be cool to have. It was all carved out of teak. And I, I, uh, I, I don't ever know what ever happened to it. Did you things. ever use it, Bob? No, of course not. Yeah, I don't. What do you think? I, I, I go behind it to put on my smoking jacket? No, yeah. I never used it. <laughs> I don't know. It seemed like a good idea. I'm sure it's one more thing my wife sent over to Goodwill, you know, when mm-hmm. I wasn't looking. So, yeah. Ah, this is much better. I almost forgotten what it was like to wear something besides prison graves. I can well imagine. Now, about that $5 million you promised to whoever would engineer your freedom. Is it close by? Close by? Ha <laughs> ha, it doesn't even exist yet. What? <laughs> There's this big look of surprise on Batrock's face. Indeed. And then he, he turns around and he says, Big, you dare deceive the mighty Batrock? Well, Mr. Hyde didn't really like the way he was being addressed right there. So he yeah. takes uh, the the uh changing screen screen yeah Yeah. and he he just crunch destroys it do not use that tone of voice with me batrock mr hyde dares many things mine is a power which caused even the mighty thor to tremble and he goes to try to pound batrock but uh what does batrock do that's right he leaves no, you're in trouble, aren't you? I am. <laughs> <laughs> that was a bit too loud. I doubt that Hyde, just as I doubt that you can defeat what you cannot strike. And Patrock has not spent half of his career behind bars as you have. Now, let us see what good your power is against the master of the art of La Savate. Ha, huh. I've heard of this strange foot fighting. You people are a funny race. And, and Batrock just came up and just nailed him in the back of his head with both his feet. Nandajian, that blow would have left a normal man paralyzed for days. I am hardly a normal man, Batrock. And he grabs him by his foot and swings him. Mon Dieu, his speed is nearly the equal of my own. I would not have believed a man of such size could react so fast. Now, Bob, where have we heard that before? Um, it seems to be like one of the biggest tropes in comics. Uh-huh. I did. I never thought that that true enough that yeah. character so large could be that quick. Right. Like we've heard that a million times, right? I guess. Yeah. I guess you're right. Now that you mention it, yeah, yeah, you're right. Hey, big guys can be fast too, Rick. Yeah. I wouldn't know. Now listen to me, you Gallic fool. I could make good use of a small group of well-trained men. If you and your crew threw in with me, you'll have riches that'll make my offer of five million look like peanuts. I I had not planned on any extended partnerships. But your (laughs) argument is most convincing. If you would just let me down, I would be most interested in hearing any plans you might have. I knew you'd see it my way. Wait, is that the most recent copy of the Daily Bugle? May we, it is today's edition. 
In that case, I think this headline story will provide us with all the information we'll need to become very wealthy men. And in less than 24 hours. And then Batrock thinks to himself, perhaps, but I shall be watching you very closely for each of those hours, monsieur. Time passes and morning finally comes to the New York area. And to the one resident of the Brooklyn Heights apartment building, a full night of work is nearly over. And I got to say, one thing about Byrne. He, he is no slacker for attention to detail. You know? Sure. Yeah. I mean, look at that. Just just one panel on this page uh, of this, this apartment building. And look at the detail that is put into the windows, the, the roofing, uh, on top of the roof, you know, the trees, the little fence. The air conditioning unit. Yeah. Yeah. Right? right. Yeah. I mean, this whole page is very detailed. Look at the carpet, you know, uh, that Mr. Hyde's standing on. Look at the, the door that uh, is in Cap's apartment, you know, in the cinder blocks and I don't know, you know, in the stuff you see on his table. And it's just, um, Burns just like such a master. And for that matter, so is Joe Rubenstein, you know? I mean, uh, the, the amount of work that he put in uh, inking all these details. So Steve's thinking to himself, there, one more line and I'm done. Not a bad job if I do say so myself. Knock, knock. Anybody home? Come on in, Bernie. It's unlocked. So I noticed. You're a trusting soul, Steve Rogers. And so she has uh, a bag of groceries in her hands. She's wearing a green jumpsuit. Now, let me guess. From the slight redness in your eyes and the wispy stubble on your chin, I'd say you've been up all night. Uh, you're too clever for me, Miss Rosenthal. You found me out again. And and Steve was sitting at his art table, finishing up his, his assignment. In that case, I'm fixing you breakfast. Well, don't just stand there. Go shave or something. Go on, move it. And she's pushing him uh, out the door. You wouldn't by any chance be related to a gentleman by the name of Duffy, would you? Who? Private joke. He, he was my old army sergeant. I never knew you were in the army. Were you in Nam? Um, I was there briefly. Now, this is where I would like to see an editor's note. That's a good point. That's a good right? point. Because uh, I one... don't recall off the top of my head when he was in Nam. I know he was, but I don't remember what issue. You don't remember what issue? Are you going to ask me what the issue is? Is this, was this, are you playing up? Are you playing? I don't know. I really don't know. Was it a Tales of Suspense 71? When uh, I think it might've been 71. He, when he goes there, he rescues the pilot and he has to fight the Sumu. I guess, but I think he was also, wasn't he in an annual? Didn't in an annual he go to Vietnam? Oh, whew. I don't know. I don't. Re- I don't remember that. But I do know in Tales of Suspense, he had a mission in Vietnam. It was one of the few. Yeah. The few missions, right? I mean, it was a big deal. Cap didn't go to Vietnam except for that one particular uh, mission. General Cho. No. Whoa. 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 That's right. Whoa. Remember? 
Remember? Oh, I mean, come on, it was just a couple yeah. episodes ago. I Bob. know. I, uh, I'm getting older. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> Actually, it wasn't even a couple of. It was last. Well, yeah, no. well, yeah. well tell, we did tales of, tales of suspense last episode, but then it was two before that episode fifty five where we did the arena of death. Ah, yes, the arena of yeah. death. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, Bernie starts going through Steve's kitchen um, to make him breakfast. She says, not, not briefly enough, I'll bet. My cousin was in the Mekong Delta for six months. Stephen Rogers, practically everything in your cupboard is instant something. Don't you ever eat real food? And then Steve's in the, in the, um, the next room uh, shaving. Whenever I can. Problem is that, well, I'm on the go a lot, and I don't want to keep stuff around that'll spoil. Do you mind if I put on some music? No, go ahead. So she goes over to his turntable. Right? <laughs> right. 1980, man. Yeah. Goes over hi-fi. To, yeah, he's got the hi-fi. He's got the AM, FM with the turntable and a bunch of records. She's like, what's this? Artie Shaw? Tommy Dorsey? Sinatra? Glenn Miller? Steve, you have the strangest taste in music. It's just like my father's. <laughs> that's a that's a mood killer right there. <laughs> really? Well, I know I, I don't have much in the way of records. I, I just keep the stuff I like. I think there are some Broadway show tunes in there somewhere. What? What? Oh, Steve. Yeah. Yeah. We're not talking the rent soundtrack, right? Yeah. I guess I don't know. What would what would be prior to 1980? I I, I'm sure if I asked my son, he would tell me. Um Um, I don't know. I don't know what Phantom of the Opera? No, no, they would have had to have been um Oklahoma. Yeah, Rogers and Hammerstein. <laughs> right, right. You know, like Oklahoma. Works, yeah. yeah, things like that. Hello, Dolly. Hello, Dolly. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Wow. What was the one about baseball? What was the one about baseball? The one with the baseball where the uh the devil makes a deal with um oh the baseball gosh. team. I can't remember that. Damn one. Yankees. Yeah, all right, damn Yankees. I, you know, my favorite is 76 trombones, right? Love that one. All right. So she says, never mind, I'll just switch on the radio. There'll be something good on the FM. And so she picks up a photo. And who's in the photo, Bob? It's uh-huh. Steve and Sharon Carter. And he's got his arms wrapped around her. Steve, who's the pretty blonde your sister and then she thinks i hope and steve comes out he's putting on a dress shirt who oh sharon no sharon was a very close very dear friend we talked about getting married once but our careers always seemed to get in the way she died recently it happened quite suddenly and um, he takes the, the photo frame from her and he puts it 
face down in the rack, almost like he's like, it's time for me to move on. So Bernie, she's frying up some eggs here. She is, boy, did I ever say the wrong thing? She must have meant a lot to him. The air's so thick in here, you can cut it. I better change the subject quick. Um, did you hear about the the big breakout of Rikers Island? You mean the Cobra's big escape? Which happened in Spectacular Spider-Man 46, which was not too long ago. No, that was last week. I'm talking last night. Oh, listen, maybe the news will have something about it. And Bob, she turns on the news and just so happens. Just so happens. Yeah, it's all over the news, man. Authorities are still baffled as to exactly how power was cut off to Rikers Island by the small band which broke into, made off with the notorious Mr. Hyde. What? First a Cooper breaks free and now Hyde too? I'd better... No, what am I thinking of? I can't go chasing after everyone who breaks out of prison, especially now. I haven't slept in over 30 hours, and I have to get that ad job turned in today. Both Thor and Daredevil have more experience fighting Hyde. If they can't find him, then I'll offer my help to the police. And then Bernie comes out of the kitchen. Breakfast is served. Looks great. I hope you'll be joining me. I wouldn't miss it for the world. You know, I hate to brag, but I make a pretty mean breakfast. Of course, it's hard to ruin eggs. Is that a come on line, Bob? Uh, uh, like if you walked I, up a you walked up to a girl and said, "You know, I hate to brag, but I make a pretty mean breakfast." Yeah, that would be very unbelievable. But I like, but I they hurt my feelings, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> are, are you a good breakfast maker? That's, I don't. I don't I, 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 yeah, yeah, I do pretty good. Yeah, you can hold your own. All right, I, good, yeah. good, good for you. What do you want? Pancakes, French toast, uh, you know, some bacon, some, uh, you know what? I know you're, you're a bacon and uh, sausage guy, right? You lost me bacon and sausage. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I see it. I've seen it done. All right. Oh, I'm sorry. She says, she says, um, it's hard to ruin eggs. Oh, I've seen it done. No Bernadette. I'd say you're a very accomplished cook. <laughs> That's such a formal compliment, right? Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Nope. You're a very accomplished cook. Bravo. Tell, yeah. Tell me, do you do this for a living? No, kind sir. I'm a glass blower. Oh, really? Yes, really. Next page. One hearty breakfast, little small talk, and 30 minutes later, Steve Rogers is on the subway Manhattan bound. Witnesses to the prison break say two of the raiders had slight French accents. The DA's office has entered the investigation. French. And soon at the plumber ad agency. I tell you, Steve, these storyboards are just the way I wanted them. I don't know who was luckier the day you talked that windbag plumber into giving you work. You or me. Steve. Hey, Rogers. Huh? Oh, oh sorry, Carmine. I, I guess my mind was wondering. Sure, you must have been up all night. Why don't you go get some shut-eye? But at this moment, Sleep is the last thing on Steve Rogers' mind. A bizarre break-in carried off by a small band of men, and a couple of them had French accents. Maybe I'm just punchy from lack of sleep, but this is starting to sound like the kind of operation Batroc would be behind. From personal experience, 
and the Interpol files I've read, I know such a prison break would be just enough of a challenge to appeal to that crazy Frenchman. And if Batroc's mixed up in this, then Captain America is definitely getting involved. And so he breaks into the uh, uh, the closet, um, the janitor's closet, and he's, what has he got underneath his suit, Bob? He's got his uniform. He's got his Captain America uniform on. And he's taking it off. He's almost like a Steve Rogers in a, I mean, I'm sorry, almost like a Clark Kent in yeah. a phone booth, right? Absolutely, yeah. No need to call the Avengers in on this. After all, the only thing I have are to go are some vague hunches. The first order of business is to stop at the district attorney's office. If D.A. Tower is investigating this thing, he may be able to check up on Batrick's whereabouts. I sure hope no one stumbles across my street clothes in that janitor's closet where I hid them. And he's running up the stairs in the office building and he gets to the roof. After all, with today's prices, I can't afford to lose too many suits or portfolios. And look at the detail, the detail of the cityscape here. You know, and then the rest of this page, the detail, right? You know, I mean, the, the, the pillars, the ceiling, the glasswork. And he's going, he goes all out. And it's a mix of architecture too. I mean, it's not like your standard just slap the, the ruler on there and draw a couple high rises, right? I mean, he's got modern buildings. He's got more traditional, older 19th century buildings. I mean, he's, he's, he, he does the whole thing. Yeah. With that one last fleeting thought to his personal fortunes, Cap bolts across the rooftops of the city his every moment concentrated towards carrying him to his destination, a certain downtown municipal building. So he's walking inside. If nothing else, having a little talk with Tower should put my mind at ease. I'm probably just getting paranoid in my old age. And then he's on an elevator and there's, he's standing out amongst the crowd because he's very tall and everyone around him is like, kind of like staring at him. But I can't shake this feeling that Batroc's behind this. And experience has taught me to go with my feelings. And you're like, they're like whispering, wow. Yeah, it's really him. Wasn't he running for president or something? Which was last issue. Another guy's thought bubble is like, well, what's he doing here? Could he have found out about those kickbacks? Shortly in the outer offices of the district attorney, and we see the secretary on the phone not paying attention. Shirley, I tell you, this job's a disappointment. I thought that being the DA's receptionist would be so glamorous. No, it's deadly dull. There's never the least bit of excitement. Pardon me, miss. Have to go, Cheryl. Someone just came in. Yeah, later. Yes, may I help you? Oh. I'd like to see the DA, if he's not busy. I think I'm going to die. <laughs> masterful next page at that very moment just off the coast of sandy hook new jersey a roxon lng super tanker the queen of egypt speeds towards a new and controversial docking facility just outside of perth amboy i know where that is bob it's not uh it's not too far from me really yeah maybe like half hour 45 minutes wow it's cargo fifty thousand tons of liquefied natural gas Pearson? Aye, sir. What in blazes is that thing approaching off the port bow? Oh, just a tug pulling a barge, sir. Well, warn them off. I don't want to risk collision. 
The New York papers are giving us the devil from the front pages, calling us a floating bomb. And then they're up on a, like a flying bridge and then down on the deck, the crew is all up against uh, the railing and they're all, they're all like hooting and hollering. And you see a woohoo and all right. And, and the home office is very anxious to prove them wrong, to show them that their new tanker and facility are safe. Huh? What could possibly so, be so fascinating about a barge to an experienced tanker crew? And, he, and the captain pulls up his binoculars. Oh, ha It appears that the skipper of that tug has brought a friend along. I must say, he has excellent taste. And there is the Mademoiselle uh, in a black one-piece bathing suit as she is sitting um, on a towel. And she's got her sunglasses on her head. And in the binocular look, she's holding up a sign. And he says, now what? She's holding up some sort of sign saying, we've been, what's the, what's the sign say, Bob? Surprise, you've been boarded. Boarded? She is right, mon ami. And there's Batrock on the next page. And uh, standing over the first mate. And he's bowing. But allow me to introduce myself. I am Batrock de Liper. Please forgive me for knocking out your first mate, but I did not want him to spoil your surprise. Oh, yes. That gentleman on the deck below is my associate, Monsieur Hyde. I am afraid he does not think so much of your crew. Ah, but I can see you are confused. Did you wonder how we got aboard your ship? Or should I say, our ship? It was quite simple. We used a little two-man submarine and came up on your starboard side while your attention was drawn elsewhere. And now, if you please, come with me. Soon in the radio room, and we have um, Mr. Hyde holding the uh, the captain captive, and Batrock getting on uh, the ship to shore. Do not squirm, little man. Otherwise, I might have to break a few of your bones. Hello, ship to shore operator. This is the Queen of Egypt calling. Please connect me with the Monsieur Peace Benedict, the director of seagoing operations at the Roxon Corporation in New York. I will wait. Within minutes, in a plush suite of offices at one Roxon Plaza, again, look at the detail. The whole skyline, right? In the background, outside the windows, beautiful. Yeah, plus the carpet. Yeah, that's a nice shag. Shag, baby. Yeah. <laughs> and so we have um, uh, Pierce Benedict on the phone standing up because he's outraged. You want what? And, or you what? You can't be serious. Good Lord, man. That's unthinkable. The loss of life alone would be monstrous. A billion dollars ransom? But we can't come up with that in such a short time. This is Hyde speaking, Benedict. Don't give me any excuses. Your board of directors controls several major Manhattan banks. You can raise the money. Now listen good. 
My partner and I are sailing this floating powder keg of yours right into the middle of New York Harbor. If we don't receive our ransom in time, we'll blow up this tanker and all of New York with it. For five awful minutes, Pierce Benedict listens to particulars of the ransom demands, feverishly jotting down details. And then, his voice choking with equal parts of fear and rage, he hurriedly places another call. Look, Blassett, I don't care if he's in a meeting. I have to speak with the district attorney now. This is an emergency. And so. Yes, this is Blake Tower. What? You're serious? Cap, your hunch was right. That truck is involved, but it's much worse than we thought. Yes, go on, Benedict. What are their demands? How much? Uh Uh-huh. And they want a hostage as well? They want who? Well, yes, I'm, I'm sure we can get him. I, I know we can. Several hours later, the Queen of Egypt sails placidly under the Ver- Verrazano Narrows Bridge, entering a New York harbor, which is strangely bereft of all their seagoing traffic. There, Batrock, you see? The entire harbor has been cleared as per our orders. The only thing afloat out there is the ransom barge. I told you that Roxanne could raise the money. You were right once again, mon ami. Soon, all of that lovely oil money shall be ours. And look, they have even supplies the hostage we asked for. And sure enough, on the, on the barge is Captain America tied to a pole, which is fastened to the middle of the deck. And his shield is laying in front of him. And his arms are behind his back. I would never have agreed to this if the city weren't in the gravest of danger. The tanker has the explosive potential of a small nuclear bomb. The slightest spark might set it off. I could refuse. I couldn't refuse any role which might save the lives of 10 million people. But I still don't like this. And why? Why did Hyde ask for me specifically as a hostage? What did he and Batrock have planned? Next page. Ever so gingerly, the mammoth tanker is brought alongside the tiny barge. He's tied up, all right. Everything's clear. Then, so, mon capitaine, it's been a long time since last we met, eh? Not long enough, Patrick. Mon you, you cut me to the quick. Deal with them later, Batrock. Let's inspect the booty first. Yes, it's all here. Gold, platinum, precious metals, large piles of non-sequentially numbered dollars. We're wealthy, Batrock. I'd say we can even afford to have some fun with our hostage. You first, Batrock. After all, he was your idea. Batrock wanted me as a hostage? Odd. But I don't have time to wonder why just now. Shifting his weight slightly, Cap steps down hard on a certain part of the deck at his feet. And he said, basically like a little switch, right? Uh-huh. And it creaks, triggering a sudden unexpected release of knockable knockout gas. Mon Jian, it is a trick. The Batrock's choked warning comes too late for his underlings. And then you see Cap uh, getting off of his fake uh, rope that was holding him back and putting in plugs. I hate using something as underhanded as this. 
but under the circumstances, it's best to take out these goons as quickly as possible. The gas will dissipate in a minute. In the meantime, these nose filters should keep me from being affected. And on the next page, we have a nice fight scene between Batrock and Cap. Sacre bleu! Your treacherous gases will not stop the great Batrock. No, not that accursed shit of yours again. I did not even see you grab it up. How could you possibly have time? Bung. There he is. Cap had puts his shield up just as Batrock is coming with his two feet. Well, Batrock, either I'm getting faster or you're getting slower. And by the way, don't talk to me about treachery, mister. And then he gives a right cross and hits him in the face. The old Batrock I knew had been a mercenary, but he'd never tried to extort money by threatening the lives of 10 million people. And then a, a right uppercut. The Batrock I knew once said, men without honor deserve no mercy. Know what I mean? Now, where's that partner of yours? And basically, it's, it's from the, the cover, right? Mm-hmm. We have a dark Mr. Hyde coming up right from behind but Cap does not get surprised, and he turns around, he punch him right in the face. All right, let's get this over with fast. I seem to remember you having a glass jaw, Hyde. The last time you fought, a good right cross put you out of action, which was Cap issue 152, Bob. Very good, Captain. Your memory is excellent, even if your reasoning is faulty. You see, I was but a shadow of myself when we battled before. This is not the case today. Huh? That is not the case at all. Ha ha ha! And he starts pummeling Cap like brute force, just nailing him over and over and over again. Surprised by Hyde's resilience, Captain America, his reflexes dulled from lack of sleep, falls before Hyde's bludgeoning attack. Mon Dieu! Hyde caught him off guard, but I do not believe it. And he goes up and he stops Hyde from pummeling him. No, Hyde, no. You do not want to kill him? Yes, I think I do. But surely there must be some better way. You are Mr. Hyde. You don't have to pummel him like some common thug. Yes, you're right. There is a better way. And the means of carrying it out are right at hand. The cap's unconscious. So on the next page, which is the last page, we see Cap tied to the front of the ship on the bow. So basically on both sides where the anchors would would generally drop, there is a um, chain coming out from each side and holding him back. So his arms are stretched back behind him almost where he's on the, the edge of the bow of the ship. For Captain America, time ceases to have meaning. There is only a thick, all-encompassing darkness, numbing his brain, a darkness which melts away very, very slowly. Oh, I certainly misjudge Hyde's might. He's much more powerful than the last time we fought. I didn't expect that. Well, hello, Captain. Welcome back to the living. For now. Huh? What the devil? You'll make a most colorful figurehead, Captain. No, don't try to break free. 
you'll find it quite impossible to snap those chains. But don't feel too bad. Look on the bright side. You'll have a ringside seat when I return this tanker by ramming it full speed into the docks of New York. And beneath the metal hull that caps back 50,000 tons of liquefied natural gas slosh around in their tanks, straining to burst free in a holocaust of flame and death. Next, is New York burning? Find out next issue in Cold Fire. Ooh, I'm on the edge of my seat for Cold Fire, Rick. Mm. So before we get to next issue, I want to get to the letters of the living legend. Um, there is a letter in printed in the back of the book. And one of them is from a young Kurt Busick. Wow. Now, Kurt, you, you may ask, who's Kurt Busick? Hey, Rick, who's Kurt Busick? Well, you wouldn't ask because you know, because, you know. I was trying to play along. Oh, okay. Um, Kurt is a longtime writer of comics. Mm -hmm. Um, He has been around for quite some time. Uh, He's been on Avengers. He's been on many different things. Currently, currently, uh, he is doing a series called The Marvels, Mm -hmm. which does feature Captain America. It does. Yeah. Yeah. And he's worked extensively with with, uh, Alex Ross in in the past as well. Yes, he has. Yeah, so it's interesting. Um, We got a a letter from a very young Kurt Busiek. Should I read it? Yes, please. Oh, by the way, um, I did reach out to Kurt to see if he wanted to be a guest on the show. And I'm presuming since he's not scheduled. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah um unfortunately he uh he's a rather busy man and yeah. does not cannot join us on the show but i tried bob i did yeah, try i know you did i know you did yeah i wanted to talk to him about the marvels all right so here's a letter dear raj john and joe captain america 247 was technically just an and this is he's talking about their first issue of when they came on captain america it was another well-written well-drawn comic book clearing up any inconsistency about the main characters but aside from that dum-dum fury capsuled shield baron strucker what is this old home week the evocative nostalgia plus the bit of the bus made the issue a glorious reaffirmation of captain america and all he ought to be Stan Lee thawed Cap out in Avengers 4. Steve Englehart did it again in the 70s. And now, maybe, Captain America has come out of his iceberg for good. Congratulations. Bravo. Yeah. That's pretty cool. All right, so issue 252. I think I I forgot to mention this in the last one. Cover price, Bob. Cover price of comics back in 1980, at least for Marvel. 50 cents. Two quarters, man. Mm-hmm. Five dimes. That was like an extended video game at the arcade. You know, two quarters. It's true. Yeah. Uh, so on the cover, again, um, same corner box, same logo. And it is 
the vessel um, and you have Batroc kicking off Captain America. Uh, he's flying backwards with his shield uh, out of his hand. Uh, behind Batroc is Mr. Hyde in his classic green cloak. Um, and just in case you, you didn't know, the the vessel they're on says danger, liquid, natural gas. Um, and the caption reads, Cap battles both Batroc and Mr. Hyde. It's a blockbuster. But do you notice anything strange about that caption, Bob? I do, actually. What's I that? had to, I had to like, think for myself for a second, but did they spell Mr. Hyde wrong? <laughs> <laughs> you're messing with me right yeah <laughs> yes yes they spelled blockbuster wrong <laughs> yeah, i think it was a trademark issue uh for blockbuster, Is that yeah, the video stores back uh, okay. <laughs> no they actually spelled batrock wrong they have yeah. a k at the end instead of a c what is up with that is this for the foreign like market or what was that i don't know albania Mm. Uh, they spell it differently there. All right. So we have on the opening splash page, we're back to where Cap was fastened to the front of the ship. And standing on the bow above him are Batrock and Mr. Hyde. Mr. Hyde is holding Cap's shield in his right hand as if it was like a frisbee because he's such, got such a big hand. And, and hanging from uh those chains is captain america you know i i have to say bob um i bet just hanging from those chains is pretty painful like your body's not meant yeah. to do that yeah it could take some strain it's a very sort of uh crucifixion looking pose. it is it is because his arms are stretched out but actually they're stretched behind him too i mean that's yeah. gotta be painful yeah right um so we have, again, Roger Stern, John Byrne, Joseph Robenstein, John Costanza, Bob Sharon, and Jim Salakrup as the uh, creative team. When the famed mercenary Batrock the Leaper joined with the criminal known as Mr. Hyde to hijack a Roxanne super tanker for a billion-dollar ransom, how much was it, Bob? One billion dollars. That's right. And and both Bob and I put our pinkies up to our lips. <laughs> uh, and billion dollars back in 1980 was, yeah, I mean, right. It's a good amount of cash. Yeah, I mean it's it is now. So the fact that 40 years ago, I mean that must have been like the most you could think of, a zillion yeah. dollars. That's right. <laughs> the. The wily Frenchman suggested that they also demand a very special hostage, Captain America. Your scheme was brilliant, Batrock. Our guest makes such a colorful figurehead. Ha 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 ha! Laugh all you want, Hyde. If I don't stop you, somebody else will. Hyde only laughs harder and harder. And as Captain America strains at his bonds. So thousand tons of liquid natural gas gurgle and roil beneath the metal hull at his back, just waiting to erupt. Next page, it's a, it's a double splash. Um, the top 
half is one image of the barge and rocks on um, ship floating in the, in the harbor of New York. So you see a lot of detail, a lot of detail in the cityscape on both sides of the harbor. And then the, the bottom half are six panels of what's going on. Waiting to bring back fiery death and destruction to all of New York City. For now, the jumbo LNG supertanker sits in the midst of a strangely deserted New York Harbor, a giant floating bomb dwarfing the attendant barge that sails along starboard side, the barge which houses Batroc's floating headquarters. Less than 24 hours ago, Batroc used that barge to free Hyde from the Rikers Island prison complex, and now it stands ready to transport the duo and their ill-gotten ransom to safety. Did you notice anything interesting on the rooftop here, Bob? Is it, uh, you know I, I I do I noticed the sign but it doesn't it doesn't uh, it doesn't connect with me is that what you're referring to Yeah so one of the billboards most well, the only billboard that you can see here and it, it's written it says no shots no school it's the law What does that mean I was I was thinking of I love the fact that it's just beautiful beautiful you know splash right you've got you've got the the ship in the harbor you've got the skylines and the background and the foreground you've got the sort of narrative text but then in tiny tiny little letters you see ha 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 from Hyde you know yeah mm-hmm. in tiny little letters uh, right in the middle of all that you know picturesque scenery love that Oh, all right. No shots. All right. Makes sense now. Yeah. So back in um, the late seventies, there was a, um, uh, a new, new New York city department of health had basically were saying like, you need your vaccinations. I'll be darned. No shots, no school. And, and actually Muhammad Ali did a, um, a TV commercial um, like little PSA. Yeah. And in so back in 1980, this was still an issue a couple of years later that, um, yeah, if you weren't vaccinated, you couldn't go to school. And it was the law. Funny, funny how things come full oh, circle. Yeah. Buffon hairdos, bell bottoms and uh, school vaccinations. Yeah. Wow. But before the two take to flight. This little toy of yours fascinates me, Captain. I think I'll break it before I depart. And you and the ship are blown sky high. You mean you'll try, Hyde? Better men than you have failed. He speaks the truth, Hyde. Nothing seems to affect his shield. Nonsense. It can't resist me. A piece of metal this size can't possibly... I've... I fought four. I, I can't. Blast! Unable to even bend the mighty shield, Hyde hurls it over the tanker's port side, inadvertently lodging it deep in the side of a second barge where Batroc's men are faithfully gathering up the billion-dollar ransom for transfer. And on the tanker deck, 
I was a fool to waste my time on that gaudy trinket. Come, Batrock, we still have much to do on the bridge. As you say, mon ami, there is much we still must do. Unnoticed by High, Batrock nonchalantly gives a gentle kick to the port side anchor chain release. Next page, we see Cap all of a sudden one side getting slack with sudden consequences. What? There's suddenly slack on one of my chains. If only it'll keep up. No good. The ratchet, ratchet lock was kicked back in. All I got was a couple extra feet of chain. I guess I'll have to make that do. Pulling himself over to the starboard side, Cap begins a painful maneuver. Got to scrape the links across the bow and try to weaken one of them. For long, agonizing minutes, Cap strings to hold himself in place and work at his bonds. And then, that one link looks like it might be ready to give. Good. The will gave. Now, if I could just bend it enough. Come on, Blast, you bend. Bend. It bends. And with a grateful sigh of relief, Cap flips the chain loose from the ruptured link. In seconds, he is free of one of his bonds. So, Bob, I want to take a moment to appreciate the art on this page. So, Byrne has this layout here where he, we see Cap struggling, and then in the, in the corresponding panel underneath, we see what's going on with the chain. And that happens for three panels. So we get to see Cap three panels, we get to see the chain three panels. It almost, it almost reminds me of Frank Miller, Daredevil, around this time. Really? Yeah, so I, I, I can see how Frank Miller was influenced by Byrne in, in stuff like this. And for our listeners out there, let me know if you think the same. I know there's a lot of uh, listeners out there that, that love John Byrne. Um, and I'm, I'm certainly up there because, you know, back in the, back in the summertime, Bob, we did the, um, actually, no, it was spring. It was, well, yeah, it was March Madness. We did the, um, you know, the, yeah. the best Captain America artist and John Byrne was, was right up there. And I think he made the final four, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think he was beaten out by Jack Kirby. Probably so. If I, I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, so he certainly has his, his fan base out there, but I'm curious if, if, um, and for those out there who, who love Frank Miller, now Frank Miller was doing Daredevil just a, a little after this, but I can see in some of the layouts um, of, of, what's going on here now now frank miller was also he was around this time he he did a few covers for captain america um and and by the way if you go back and listen to that joe rubenstein interview that we had um which was episode eight um joe talks about his working with frank miller on some of those covers for captain america and and some of the uh, how he helped get Frank his start. 
Uh, it was an interesting conversation. Mm-hmm. All right, so we go to this page, the next page, and now Cap's free of one chain, but he's still on the other one. So he has to free himself. Now the hard part begins. There's not enough slack on this side to pull the same trick. I just have to pray the leverage will be enough. It has to be. Hyde said he'd crash this tanker into the docks and blow it up. If that happens, the city doesn't stand a chance. I remember what that Roxxon official, Pierce Benedict, told D.A. Tower and me about the danger of this ship. Okay, Benedict, we know it's dangerous. How dangerous? Well, first, let me assure you that the Queen of Egypt is our newest LNG super tanker. It has all the lazy safety features, but, well, it has explosive potential of a small nuclear device. A small nuclear device? He said it so matter-of-factly. What kind of man could be a party to bringing a ship like this within even a 100 miles of a populated area? The slightest leak, the tiniest spark, could cause this tanker to blow in an instant. And the initial explosion would just be the start. The heat created by the blast would cause a firestorm which would engulf the whole city. Millions would die in a matter of minutes. There would be no place to run from. The terrific heat and fire. All of New York, everyone I know and love would be horrible, would would die horribly. And again, like the chain, we see a split panel. We see Cap struggling. And then on the other side, to the right of it, we see what he's describing. We see the explosion and then how it would continue in the city of New York and then some of his loved ones. Yeah, I mean, it has all of the sort of, uh, you know, the look and feel of that nuclear holocaust fear. Which was was pretty big in 1980. Yeah, sure was. Right. Yeah, I think we, you know, we used to do, Bob. And again, dear listeners, we ask you if, uh, if this is something that you miss from our early days where you're like, hey, guys, don't sweat it. Don't do the extra work. You're doing great. Don't worry about it, which I hope you say. But um, we used to do, Bob, in the beginning, we used to talk about mm-hmm. in the year that we did the uh, issue, what was going on in the world at that time, right? You sure did, yeah. Because I remember talking about nuclear holocaust and people worried about that. And we yep. talked about the movie The Day After. The day after, and, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, we used to do that in the first I don't know, eight, nine issues, something like it that. Did. You know, it did. It did. Sometimes it's useful because it contextualizes what was on, you know, the public consciousness at the time, right? Because any good author uh, writing a narrative wants to connect to what people are thinking about and somehow making the connection between the real world, even if it's just tangentially, indirectly. Uh, and so, yeah, absolutely. I think it's often relevant. So uh, 1980, Rick, what was going on in 1980? That was a big year. Do you remember what the top movie was in 1980? I don't remember, but I would say probably Empire Strikes Back. You're right. You're absolutely right. The Empire Strikes Back, top, top grossing movie that year. Uh, big year. As I said, CNN was launched that year. Also, the Far Side comic strip was launched. In Did you really look this stuff up? It's all up here. This, or you just remember 1980. It's all up here, buddy. It's all up here. Big, big year. Ronald Reagan elected president. Yeah, that was huge. Yeah. You know, so the Iran hostage crisis, of course, you know, precipitated mm-hmm. that in many ways. So yeah, yeah, you know, it's 
a lot of interesting stuff in 1980. That's true. Yeah. Will Ferrell was born, I think, in 1980. I'm older than Will Ferrell? I think, I think you might be. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He's partied hard. So <laughs> <laughs> he's, earned, he's earned that body. Yeah, we probably look the same age. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Next page. So Cap's struggling, struggling against this chain. No, that must not happen. I won't let it happen. I won't. I won't. Fear and outrage well up in this man's soul. Fear for the lives of millions of New Yorkers. Outrage at being trapped here, unable to do more than strain and pull. Every muscle, every nerve ending, screaming as he desperately tries to break free. The chain that binds him is cold, hard steel. By rights, it should be impossible for him to break. By rights, he should give up. But Captain America never gives up. With every bit of power in his body, Cap gives a mighty tug. Miraculously, the chain separates. Well, that's that's the uh, disadvantage to breaking the chain. He then falls backwards and he hits his head on the hull. And then, tragedy. Stunned, the Avenger plummets from the bow of the huge super tanker, like legendary Icarus falling from the heavens. Who's Icarus, Bob? Nice. That was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, that was uh, the son of, uh, no, Icarus. Chris is the guy that glued the wax wings together, right? And his father said, don't, don't do it. Don't get too close to the sun. Yeah. And uh, he disobeyed and he just couldn't help himself. Like all of us trying to soar higher and higher. But the wax melted, of course, and he fell into the ocean. That's rip, true. Rip Icarus. Yes. That is a classic, classic tale. Barely conscious. He hits the water hard, very hard. And in seconds, the one man who might possibly be able to save New York from total destruction sinks beneath the waves, just like a stone. All right, so next page. Actually, we have a couple pages here of ads. Remember the old classified ads you'd find in the comics? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, then look, here's an ad to sell grit. <laughs> You know, Bob, they're looking for a few good boys and girls who would like to earn their own spending money, earn neat prizes, and gain practical business mm -hmm. experience. Mm -hmm. I am, I'm always looking to win neat prizes mm. uh, and gain practical business experience. So even at my age, so maybe I'll look them up. So the next page we get to, and we get a nice little flashback um, of what's been going on with Mr. Hyde. Meanwhile, on the bridge of the mammoth tanker, we see um, Mr. Hyde at the captain's wheel. And then Batrock a few feet behind him, resting his butt on a console with his legs stretched out. Yes, Batrock, as an associate, you have been most helpful in the operation. And, of course, your hostage choice was a stroke of genius. I couldn't have done better myself. Ah, uh, yes. I thought you would like it. And then he thinks to himself, 
the pig. It is bad enough that Hyde tricked me into working with him, but he does not even consider me a football now. I still remember the defeat Captain America handed me in our previous encounter. Having him at my mercy now is most satisfying. Yes, I remember. At the time, I had been Mr. Hyde for too long without renewing the chemicals which give me my power. When I first fought Captain America, my strength was just a fraction of my true might. He easily bested me. What issue was that, Cap? Uh, that was in 152. That's right. After that ignominious defeat, he just left me there, tied up with that fool scorpion, a prisoner for the police to find. But as I regained consciousness, I reverted to my human form. Once again, I was Dr. Calvin Zabo. I easily slipped from the ropes, leaving the scorpion for the police. I was angry. I wanted vengeance on that blasted Avenger. But for that, I needed certain chemicals to duplicate my Hyde formula. Foolishly, I broke into a nearby pharmacy, and I was caught in the act. Lacking the funds to hire the proper lawyers, I was tried and convicted, and so Calvin Zabo spent six months in prison. Six months during which my former partner, the Cobra, bounced in and out of prison as a member of the Serpent Squad. And now that was in Captain America uh, 163, and then again, 180 through 182. Even when I rejoined the Cobra, he betrayed me. He left me rot in Riker Island. And he's a soul being who knows I am Calvin Zabo. And, yeah. and that was in Spectacular Spider-Man 46. Question. Yeah. Rick, I'm, I'm, you know, I, uh, I'm a bit hazy on Mr. Hyde. Uh-huh. But if he needs the chemicals to transform, how was he Mr. Hyde in Rikers when Batroc broke him out? <sighs> Bob. I don't know. I don't. You know. were not supposed to ask such questions. <laughs> I just. I'm not that familiar with Mr. Hyde. I, the I answer, don't that Bob. The answer is comics. Oh, okay, got it. All right. Okay. I didn't know if I missed a crossover event or something was going on. Or... Oh, it's Rikers, though. Yeah, we all know what gets into Rikers. You can get anything in the Rikers. It's Sm- comics. Smokes, smokes, Playboy, high chemicals. I've watched enough. Uh, what's that show? Law and Order. I know what's going on. Dun dun. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, you are strangely quiet, monsieur. I was thinking of a man I once foolish enough to trust, Batrock. A man who must suffer for his treachery. Look out there, Batrock, New York. Just a few nights ago, the Cobra fought Spider-Man out there. I know Cobra. He's a creature of habit. He still be holed up in the city somewhere. All I have to do is set these controls. Let this tanker crash into the docks. An explosion will do the rest. No more New York. No more Cobra. You cannot be serious. That was just a threat. A bluff to get the money from Oxon and Bedevo the captain. You should know me better by now, Batrock. I am quite serious. And you should know better, monsieur, than turn your back on Bacroc. 
Signal your men to finish loading the ransom and clear out of the harbor. We'll escape in my mini-sub. No! Taking money from a thieving oil cartel like Roxanne is one thing, but mass murder is quite different matter. Braxrox shall have no part of it. And he does. He comes up and he kicks Hyde in the back of the head. Just last night, Batrock attacked Hyde with a similar kick. A kick meant to paralyze. It failed. Today, the kick is deadlier. Meant to kill. Do you think it worked, Bob? Um, I'm not putting my money on it, Rick. You would say, no. (laughs) Next page, as we turn it, it also fails. And we see Batrock getting thrown out with great velocity out of the flying bridge, the broken glass. Sacre bleu! Fool, didn't you learn anything yesterday? And we see Hyde chasing after him, but he's he's not going through a door, man. He's just ripping open the, the steel wall. He's a strong man. Hyde is your better. Hyde will always be your better. And Batrock's on the ground. And Hyde's about to leap on top of him. I still cannot believe the speed he possesses, but speed and strength alone do not bring victory. I do not belittle your power, Misha, but even the mightiest can be caught off guard. And he does. He kicks. He kicks uh, Hyde and knocks him back. And now we shall see who truly is the superior fighter. The gloves are off. Nepal. Did I get that right, Bob? That's nice. That's nice. I never took French, Bob. I had to look all this up. Very nice. Love Google. Because otherwise, I would have been, I would have been, Nice pass. Because that's how it's printed. That's that how, is it's, how printed. it's written. Yeah. It's N hyphen E S T dash C E P A S. Yes. Now, I it, for our Canadian listeners, just want to let you know. Excusez-moi. Yes. I would have read that but I looked it up and it's Nespa. Very nice. Yes. Very nice. Now you're saying very nice, but our Canadian listeners will be like, you still got it wrong. You know what though? You'll be like, here's the thing though. French Canadian is different than, you know, traditional French. So you can always make that argument that you were speaking traditional, you know, French uh, and uh, French Canadians have it wrong. So, or you could say, if if they say you had it right, and then you could say, well, I was speaking French Canadian. And then all the French listeners will, you know, tell you that you had it wrong. And you could say, but I I, I was speaking French Canadian, our Northern neighbors. It's a win-win. Women. But even as Batrock and Hyde square off on the ransom barge below, we see Captain America's shield. Remember, we're Hyde through it and he paled it into the side of the of the barge. Come on, Bob, we're wasting your time. No, it's about to give. Whoa! Watch it, will you? Jeez, you got all the grace of a wounded gazelle. Say what you want, Terry. But I'm the guy with the shield. Remember that. Yeah, well, it's a nice piece of work. Look, 
It's not even dented. From the stores, the bars tell, it can't be dented. He claims it's from some sort of secret super metal or something. You don't believe that, do you? Come on. We're supposed to be guarding the mini sub. Hey, did you just hear something? And you see some red gloves coming up behind the two of them as they're talking. And there's a big sound effect. What's the sound effect, Bob? What? Bob, I'm not a letterer, but if I wanted to be a whisper, I would write it very small, very tiny, and a little thing. <laughs> oh, you're These not baiting big, me. No. huge, fat letters. T-H-W-O-K. I mean, they're not... They're so big, they have their own panel, Bob. Look at it. Listeners, I just I want to go on record here that Rick's trying to bait me into <laughs> getting in trouble, getting in trouble with my, my sleeping wife and, and, and son. And uh, uh, I'm not going down that road, folks. All right. Again. Yeah, fair enough. Apparently, uh, 16 episodes is, is enough, huh? You're like, ah. Oh. That's it. I've learned my lesson. All right. It's big. It says thwack. And then you see uh, Cap thinking to himself as he's taking his shield and putting it back on his left arm like it's a missing appendage. Sorry about the rear attack, boys, but I don't have time to waste. Besides, I don't think the little meaning of the mines will give you anything more than a couple of bumps on your heads. Now, I have a little business to set up with your boss and Mr. Hyde. So a couple comments here on this, Bob. Mm-hmm. Right? Very punny. Right? Meaning of the minds. Right, right, right. All right. Uh, mm-hmm. Caps got a little sense of humor. Um, the other thing is, he says, sorry about the rear attack, boys. I think maybe I missed it on the last uh, issue. But this is like the second time in two issues where he's kind of apologized for doing something that he considers not on the up and up. Mm-hmm. Ungentlemanly, right? Yes, right. Yeah. It's it's he's it was a sneak attack, and you know he feels bad about it. Yeah, you know you know what that reminds me of. It reminds me of the time in. Um, we were talking about the origin of the sma- flag smasher, mm-hmm. right? And oh gosh, that's going back. I can't remember. Um, so we're going back to uh, episode ten, Bob. We covered um, Captain America three twelve, and then three twenty one through three twenty two. So that mm-hmm. was the origin of flag smasher, and it, and and that struck me um, where. Mark Runewald had Cap struggling with coming up behind one of the the um, ultimatum agents, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he and he knocked him out from behind so he could get into his uniform and steal it and get on a glider, and he felt bad about that. Remember that? Yeah, we had a little conversation about that. Right, it just doesn't seem like a fair fight, right? Cap's right, stand up guy. And and I remember saying like, oh well, Mark Grunewald gets it, you know. But mm-hmm. here's Roger Stern doing the same thing. Yeah, you know. So um, so various writers have looked at 
the character and been like had him struggle with anything other than uh what do they say in boxing the queen's what are the rules uh, oh uh, uh, you know what i'm talking about yeah right? i know i know yeah i know what you're talking about yeah, yeah. it's like uh certain types of yeah. you no know, you know fisticuffs you know we have no hit him below the belt right you know yeah, like yeah you know um i mean that's that's the whole reason we won the uh war of independence right is because you know the redcoats came and they all stood in order and yeah you know whereas you know we the blue coats were all like oh we're gonna hide behind the trees and shoot you from the right <laughs> you yeah. know i know um, well, but it's it's also you know it's it's the distinction between uh and i think this is obviously this is a made-up distinction but it's the it's sort of a popularized distinction between a soldier and a secret agent, right? A shield, a Nick Fury, right? Who would have no compunction whatsoever about sneaking around in the shadows and hitting someone from behind or shooting someone from behind, right? Because that's what a that's what a secret agent does, right? But uh, not a soldier. A soldier, you know, fights honorably face to face across the open space. Of course. That distinction, you know, disappeared, you know, centuries ago, but we still have it in popular consciousness. And I think that's the sort of distinction Cap makes is that he is a stand up gentlemanly, you know, fair fight sort of guy. Yeah, that's a good, good analogy. Also, I, I want to point out that I, I want, I want to, I want to learn more about Bob and Terry. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think I think I would I would be open to uh, a miniseries or a one shot yeah. that explores Bob and Terry's work for Batral. So. Um, this is their first appearance. It is, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. So hope springs eternal in me. So. Yeah, maybe maybe he'll go into the uh, both Bob and Terry will be introduced in the MCU, so. and then this book will be now all of a sudden be worth ten times as much. <laughs> right. Yeah. Springing up the net ladder, Cap is up the side of the tanker in seconds. What the devil? It sounds like there's some sort of fight going on up there. And sure enough, great Scott. Hydehead has Batrick on the ropes. He's crushing the light out of him. Hyde, no! Strange, for a moment there, I thought I heard Captain America's voice. But that's impossible, isn't it, Batrock? The good captain is helpless as you are. And he's squeezing the middle of Batrock with his huge hands. Stop. Stop? Why, certainly. As soon as I've broken you in two, I think, ah, my arm. And it was Cap's shield ricocheting off of his his, uh, shoulder. The man said, stop, Hyde. That seems like a wise decision. You... Free? But how? And then Batrock jumps out of the, and leaps at, or not jumps, leaps out of the way. Perhaps he isn't, perhaps he had some help, no? Merci, Capitan. This is one I owe you. Bah, it doesn't matter how you got free. I beat you unconscious and chained you before. I can do it again. And he raises his fist and goes at Cap. But Cap, on the next page, he uh, moves very quickly out of the uh, the approaching fist. Yep, I'll admit that you certainly took me by surprise earlier, Hyde. 
but I'm on my guard now. You won't take me by the same way twice. Fool, you cannot evade me for long. You're just an ordinary man, but I am Hyde. Hyde! Well, then here is an interesting lesson for you. Never underestimate the ordinary man. And he karate chops him in the back of the neck as he was leaning forward. But just then, who came to uh, Cap's side there, right? We got Batrock. And he comes and he kicks Hyde in the face. Very true, mon ami. And it is not always custom of your countrymen to band together to fight the common evil. Batrock, so you still want a part of this fight? But of course, you did not think I was willing to let this madman exterminate New York, did you? Why did you think I asked for you as a hostage? But um, he then gets hit by, by Hyde. That question had entered my mind. I never trusted Hyde for a moment, and I feared that he might try, but I knew that if anyone could find a way to stop him, it was you. So, voila, I connived him to have brought you here. Batrock, the next time you need my help against Hyde, give me a little warning first. Right now, looks like everything depends on us. You and sick... You and... Shut up. (laughs) You try doing this. (laughs) You want to take over, Bob? (laughs) You can take over. I got to tell you. That's My just voice a, could use a rest. I know. You I want to do these voices? Time, you you want to read all these words? I can't do French like you can do French. Uh, you know? I just appreciate the expressions on your face. Uh, <laughs> you in ink. And... <laughs> you insignificant fool idiots. <laughs> all right. <clears throat> you insignificant idiots Hyde has the strength of a dozen men Then we shall have to hit you several times No No You are nothing to me And he does He swats Batruck away He's not bluffing Our only hope is to keep him off balance And try to wear him down So Cap hits him with the shield in his back For too long Hyde has allied himself with Weaklings and traitors but no more. Hyde needs no one but himself. Heads up, Batrock, coming your way. Back and forth across the decks of the super tanker, Cap and Batrock strike out at Hyde, always trying to maneuver him away from the volatile LNG tanks. Like a weld honed machine, they attack again and again and again. And they are, they're, they're hitting them from all sides. But then, Batrock, look out. Ha, I knew one of you would get too close eventually. And he hits Batrock in the back of the head pretty hard. And what's the sound effect for that? I, I thought he hit him with a can of spam. I, I know. The sound effect is spam. Spam. That's P-A-M. Spam, 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 spam. I want some spam. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sorry for those who um, 
aren't uh, Monty Python fans. And, and now for something completely different. Yes. That was uh, uh, my little take from the spam skit. You know, the funny thing is, Bob, uh, and we're well into this podcast, right? Yeah, if you're, yeah. Guys, if you're still listening, love you. Um, but sometimes, and by the way, Roger Stern, we have to be like careful. Like two two issues is enough. He writes a lot. There's a lot of stuff going on on the page and a lot of reading. Mm-hmm. It takes a long time to get through Roger Stern issues. I will yeah. mental note moving forward um, when we do the um, Baron Blood issues. But sometimes we get on a little bit t- tangents, right? Mm-hmm. And so speaking of Monty Python, I, I sometimes think this, you know. You ever watch Monty Python's Flying Circus, like the original episode? Oh, yeah. Right, yeah. Right? yeah. And then they would go off on tangents uh-huh. and then they would strike to a, an audience and the audience would say, get on with it. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I think our listeners are doing that. Sometimes oh. I think our listeners are like, just get on with the issue. Yes. Yes, that's probably true. That's probably true. It's also re- the listeners probably don't realize that I'm actually not wearing any clothes and I'm sitting on a piano bench. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> I don't like spam. <laughs> <laughs> so with a look of a merciless glee on his face, Hyde moves in, ready to deliver a killing blow. But before he can, that's a nice picture of the shield coming in to Hyde's face, nailing him. No, keep away from him. Come on, mister, stay on your feet. Pull yourself together. I'll handle Hyde. You think you could stand up to me with that shield, do you? Very well. Hyde shall use a weapon, too. And the words spew from Hyde's mouth in a choking, brutal snarl his mind now all but overwhelmed by his consuming hatred. Added, addled by his rage, he rips free the nearest object. And he does. He's, he's pulling off this like pipe from the uh, machinery behind him as if to like use the pipe to like, you know, pummel cap. But it's in, he's inundated by a high pressure stream of liquefied natural gas what does cap say good lord and almost instantly an elaborate emergency valve system shuts down the leak but not before the sub-zero liquid freezes the very water vapor around Hyde. so he's got like this white frozen coat around him and cap says "He, he he's still moving and he's still alive under all of that. Encased in the icy substance, Hyde's monstrous form slips away from Cap's grasp, tumbling backward over the side of the tanker, and he falls into the, into the river. Hyde! Now, just minutes ago, Hyde threatened the lives of every man, woman, and child in New York City. Now, he himself is caught up in a death trap created by his own savage rage. But Captain America does not hesitate for a moment. A life in danger, he acts. Desperately, 
he dives after Hyde. Again and again. But it's no use. The harbor water is too murky. I've lost him. And Cap resurfaces from the water that he dove into. I can't find him, Batrock. We better raided the harbor patrol. Batrock? But the wily leaper is no longer aboard the tanker. He is already several hundred yards away. Bloop, bloop. <laughs> oh, man. Batrock. On the next page, we see Cap in the surface of the water. Why, that's slippery. He's getting away. And with Roxon's billion-dollar ransom, no doubt. I should have expected this. Despite his code of honor, Batrock's still a mercenary. I can't let him get away with this. So then we cut into um, the inside of his barge, and we see in that estate room, Batrock with uh, the uh, Monique, right? And this time she's wearing basically the same dress with the high slit, but it's just green this time. And aboard the deceptively innocent-looking barge, it, it is so heavy. And she's holding up a, a, a gold bar. But of course, Monique, gold is hardly light. My little plan worked out well, did it not, mon chéri? New York is still safe. Monsieur Hyde is defeated. And we have all this lovely money. Come, let us celebrate. And he grabs her face as if to kiss her. But then, what's the sound effect, Bob? Boom! <laughs> well, that one wasn't whispered. <laughs> Nam de Jen! I have no idea what that means. Um, that's a good question. But Shen is dog, right? So, name of the dog or... I don't know. I don't speak French. I think it's, it's like son of a gun or something like that. Hmm. There's a big explosion, so right? So, mon dieu, don't tell me that the tank blew up after all. No, what am I thinking? The explosion would have been much, much worse. So he's running up the stairs to get to um, the top of his, his vessel. Hmm. And racing up the stairs from his private quarters deep within the barge, Brashrock soon confronts the problem. Oh, no. Now, on the last page of this story, he sees um, the, the, the tug boat sinking with his crew. The tug, she is sinking. But how can this be? Eh, it is Hyde's mini sub, the one he and I boarded the tanker in. Oh, no. Do not tell me. And who comes out of the the mini sub, opening up the hatch, popping out with a big smile. Ahoy, Batrock. Sorry I had to torpedo your plans, but there's still the matter of a billion dollars you owe rocks on oil. Torpedo his plans. That's kind of funny. He's a funny dude. Otherwise, I might have been tempted to let you go. Oh, I wouldn't try anything funny just now. You see, I've radioed the Coast Guard. 
and you're surrounded, mon ami. And sure enough, from all sides come the Coast Guard. I do not believe it. You've ruined me again, Capitan. You, I, oh well. I guess those are the fortunes of war. C'est la vie. And he puts his arms up to shrug. Next issue. Should old acquaintance be forgot? Now, Bob, there is uh, some pages left of this. There is. There is. We're not going to do it this episode because we've we've run a little long. Yeah. Um, but there's a there's a bonus, right? There's um a few pages here: the life and times of Captain America, and it gets into um a page of his a little bit of his background from his history in world war ii to being with the avengers to being his personal life um then the next page is the apartment of steve rogers uh then we get into friends and neighbors of steve rogers then we get into uh, a page of partners with steve rogers so i tell you what why don't we cover that when we do issue 250, which is a standalone. It's a great idea. Right. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll revisit this in 252. Right. Yeah. Is that a, is that a plan? Is that a promise? Yeah. yeah it makes sense. All right, Bob. Uh, how was my French, uh, mon ami? Was it okay? It was very good. Very good. Yeah. By the way, I sound like, I sound like Yogi the bear, <laughs> but I do. <laughs> Would you like a picnic basket? It's a very good picnic basket. Hey, hey, hey boo boo. Hey boo boo. <laughs> of course, when I when I think when I when I when I hear myself do French, getting back to Monty Python, I think of uh, John Cleese in the um, quest for the Holy Grail as the French taunterer. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> now go away. Or I will taunt you a second time. <laughs> oh man, that's some your father meat. smelt of elderberry. <laughs> <laughs> your mother was a hamster. Oh, oh, that's, that's my favorite. That's good stuff. Yeah, I can't wait till my uh, my son is old enough that I can <clears throat> introduce him to Monty Python. You could totally introduce him to uh, uh, Holy Grail. Yeah, Holy Grail's not bad. Right. No, no, I just don't know if he'll get the humor yet. I, I think. Uh, I, I think he would. He might. He might. Yeah, my kids love it. Yeah, I, I think they have. They have seen Holy Grail more than any other movie, <laughs> and once a year at least they say, "Hey, Dad, can we watch that again?" Wow, that's and awesome. I'm like, "All right, all right, yeah." Maybe I'll give it a try. Maybe I'll give it a try this weekend. Yeah, no, it's great stuff. Yeah. All right. Um, next issue, Bob. Um, we need to um, finish the United States of Captain America miniseries. So, issue five, we're going to cover of the uh, of that miniseries. We will go through that issue and give our thoughts overall of the series and uh, what we thought of that series. We'll do that in episode fifty nine, which comes out next week. Wow, I can't believe we're already at issue five. I know. It seems uh, just yesterday we were looking forward to issue one hitting the rack. So, yep. All yep. good things. So we'll cover that next. Um, 
And, you know, Bob, I got to say, as always, I've enjoyed wrapping cup with you, mon ami. <laughs> I am going to miss, I am going to miss speaking in this outrageous accent. <laughs> We're going to definitely have to do a, uh, another French character burgers. Mm-hmm. So. Yes. <laughs> Oh, I can't wait to listen to this one in its final form, folks. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, he's Bob Lucius. I'm Rick Verbonis. And you've been listening to the Captain America comic book fans podcast. We're having a bit too much fun with the accents. (laughs) 